I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Rule the World, the art and power of storytelling. Storytelling is what connects us as humans, and for brands, it is no different. A well-told story can effectively position your brand in the minds and hearts of your audience and can convert thoughts and feelings into results and revenue. On this show, we dive into the unique and recurring principles of world-class storytellers from every walk of life to help you level up your storytelling skills and knowledge to drive real, measurable results for you and your organization. Here's your host, Paul Furlong. Hello and welcome to Rule the World, the art and power of storytelling. Today's guest is Dr. Nick Snowden, MBA Director and Business School Academic Manager at Hull University Business School. Nick's PhD is in storytelling in organizational problem solving, and here he delves into the subject and helps us unpack the implications. So hi, Nick. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time. Um, I've been looking forward to, uh, to having this chat with you ever since, uh, since we first spoke. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about you and, uh, and what it is that you spend your time doing? It's nice when someone takes an interest in, in what someone is researching. Um, my particular interest at the moment and, and for the last few years really has been about how storytelling is involved in solving problems, how it influences uh, the way we solve problems and the way we take decisions and I mean, I, I, my day job, if you like, I'm, I work for Hull University, but I also have a, a, a consultancy business. And, and I try to use the storytelling uh, dimension to both my teaching, my managing of, of people and um, and within the consultancy practice that, that I'm involved with. So really, you know, the, the, the storytelling influence on problem solving is something that uh, I, I studied for my, my PhD and um, was really, it, it was um, a, an author called uh, Steve Denning that originally fueled my 
interest in this. And a lot of, of people of his ilk uh, the tell us about storytelling and how it um, is useful in getting people to understand what you're trying to get them to do. It's very useful in leadership um, and uh, a very effective way of communicating um, what you want to happen now, and that's and that's great. You know, it's it's definitely a very useful tool. But the the problem is stories and storytelling in a in a what I would call a narrative sense um, tends to give just one perspective on what we should do, and it, it guides you down one particular route. That's why it's a useful leadership tool because you know you, you as a leader you decide where you want to go and you want your troops to follow and um, storytelling can help you achieve that the problem is that you might not be following the right story so if you look at how stories are used as we uh, try to make decisions on what way forward we, we should take um, it for me, that became really, really interesting. Sufficiently interesting for me to do a hundred odd thousand words on it. <laughs> so I've been lucky enough to to read the kind of the overview of your uh, thesis for your doctorate um, summary of uh, storytelling, story fragments, and solving ill-structured organisational problems. Could you give us an overview of it? The way I see it from my research and, and, you know, from my review of others' research. Storytelling, you can look at storytelling on a continuum of, uh, on one end of that continuum, you've got the, the recognition of stories as this evolving, living thing that, uh, you know, as you tell a story, you you embellish, you you bring in your own experience and your own examples, and in doing that, you actually change the story. And uh, what you transmit to the listener is different to what you what the, the story was as you heard it, or as you experienced it. More to the point, so that's you know, if you like, the the the, the very much about. Um, uh, living story. Uh, at the other end of the scale, you have what I would call narrative, which is where there is a, um, you know, it's the once upon a time type of approach. It, a story it, it would be recognised by anybody. You know, it's the, the Hans Christian Andersen type of story where you know what the start is. It, it, it's a recognised and agreed middle, and you know what the end is. Uh, again, it, it's recognised, and you would know when somebody went wrong, if you like, if it, that that uh, that pattern hadn't been solved. My thesis looked at how living story led to narrative, really, in in but in a particular context, which is how we solve really difficult problems. So what I did was I spent some time with uh, one organization in particular, watching and getting involved with how they were 
dealing with these difficult problems. And when, when I'm talking about difficult problems, it, it, it's problems that, that don't have an, an obvious solution, problems that keep coming back. You might see them referred to as wicked problems or ill-structured problems. We're, we're not clear what the cause is. Um, we're not clear what the solution should be. But and increasingly, that's the type of problem that organisations face. Um, you know, we live in an uncertain world. What we did within the thesis was um, observe how stories, and in particular fragments of stories, were used to not not deliberately, but but ended up being involved in the way that these really difficult problems were solved, and. Um, what we, I say we, I <laughs> saw was that fragments of story. I, I, I maybe should say a little bit about what I mean by a fragment of a story. So, uh, if I say nine eleven, pretty much anybody in in the Western world would understand what I meant by that. Um, you know, the 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 twin towers, the attack um, using planes. Suicide attacks. If I say 9/11, with that goes a whole set of other emotions, uh, understanding of what went on. We can remember probably where we were, what we were doing when we heard about it, and how how you know that impactful that that event was. And what that does is, if if I'm so if I'm starting to to uh, um, set the scene for solving a problem, and I say, "Oh, here we are in, I don't know, in in, in um, uh, Nick Snowden Incorporated PLC, whatever," um, and we're facing our 9/11. That sets the context in which we are uh, um, going to start and look at a particular issue. So you're already becoming predisposed to a particular view of what it is that we are trying to uh, to, to address, that the problem we're trying to address. So that's that was the first thing that, that we noticed when we looked at the data that we gathered and talked to people, that they were using fragments of stories when they were sitting in the context for problem solving. We also found that uh, when the when we started to look for solutions, when the groups of, of people looking for solutions were um, floundering around trying to think what to do, often people throw in examples. Uh, the these examples, if you if you take an example, so you know I I I solved um, this by uh, using a widget. That's an example. If you say, I solved this problem by using a widget and it was fantastic. Everybody loved what we did and it, it, it was amazing how well it worked because it, it, it made everybody laugh and, and so on and so on. So you, that, that has turned an example into a story because I've added emotion to the example and made it live, made it something that connects with other people's own experience. So as we're hunting around for these solutions to a difficult problem, 
and people are throwing these fragments in, someone with a better fragment, a, a more resonant uh, fragment, fragment, their proposed solution will have more uh, traction than solutions that are just thrown in as examples or maybe that, that we've tried to work out rationally. So that was the second area where we noticed that, that fragments were particularly prevalent. The final one was when you've gone through all this process of identifying what the problem is, trying to come up with solutions, when you've then got to make a decision on which of the options to go for, people would use further fragments, further sort of mini stories to, um, to, to cement that solution, to, to build support for a particular proposal. So um, that's, that's really um, what, what I noticed within my data um and and you know really what i'm now sort of moving on to and, and have been working with um uh, a couple of companies is on evolving this into a a tool into a technique that we can use to try and help us to improve the way that we solve problems that's really fascinating and there's a lot there for for me and others to get our heads around um, there's a, there's another thing that you mentioned in your uh, in the summary of your thesis, which is about shaping solution narratives. What are what are solution narratives? Solution narratives are the opposite end of this scale. If you've gone through this sort of living story phase where you're collecting, you're recognising that these different mini narratives are affecting the way that you're thinking. You know, what, what I'm arguing is that actually we need to do more to balance the type and number of mini stories that, that we release into this problem-solving process. Um, because, as I said before, you know, if you've got one particularly powerful story fragment, it, it can prejudice the, the whole of that decision-making process. So that first part of the thesis is about saying, you know, we've got to be aware of this and we should develop something that, that tries to at least recognise that we could be being misled by a certain fragment or a certain story. But once you've done that, we, we move over to the way, the more traditional way in which storytelling is being used in consultancy today and, and with uh, a lot of, of business uh, um, uh, experts on, on storytelling, which is to say, well, okay, you know, now we've agreed on what that solution should be. We need to develop a story that gets people committed. So that solution narrative is this, Hans Christian Andersen type thing. It's the the, the story that that um, you hear uh, lots of politicians use storytelling, and they present a fixed version of events that 
is um, emotional, emotive, powerful, uh, directive. It does all these things that you need leaders to do in order to get their people aligned with where they want them to go. So it's a, it's a bit of a um, conundrum, really, because, it, um, you know, the uh, one end of, of this problem-solving process, when you're starting, you don't want people to be fixed in their way of thinking. You don't want them to be too directed by one story line. But at the end, once the other end of the, the problem-solving process, where you've got a um, you've you've taken a decision, you know what the course of action is. It may be very challenging, um, possibly even threatening. If you can construct a narrative around that, construct a powerful storyline, then you're far more likely to get that solution implemented than um, if you simply said, well, okay, these are the rules, this is what we're doing, um, off you go, get on with it. It's, it, it's accepting that stories are powerful uh, direction givers. They're, they're very powerful tools in terms of helping um, leaders to to get their organisations to move in the direction that they want. And and what I'm saying is that having gone through the earlier stages where it's far more speculative about you know what the solution should be. We're still using stories. We're still, and it's important that we use stories because stories, people will tell you things in stories that they will never tell you if you ask them straight out. And, and so it's really important to, to get that deeper, richer understanding of what a problem really is. And, and the way we can do that is through stories. So it's really important that we use that at the start of problem-solving process but having reached a decision we can then go more traditional and and create a solution narrative which is clear unambiguous it is it, it gives people a direction it gives people an understanding and a connection to um you know what we want them to do in, in order to solve the problem does, does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. And it's brought up um, two questions which essentially are the same question, I think. Um, so you've said that the powerful story fragments, well-told story fragments, can have more influence than ones that are not well-told for good or for, for bad. Um, and you've talked about how a, a story a solution narrative, well-told, will have influence. So what, does, what, what are the commonalities of well-told influential stories be it in fragment form or in solution narrative form i mean there's there's lots of of views on um what what makes a good story the you know if you look as far back as aristotle he you know had a describes i think it's well i think he started with a five and then went to seven key elements of what a good story is um but for me, the 
importance of a good story is uh, the, the key elements of a good story are that a it's, it's authentic. I hesitate to say that a good story has to be true. It's really it it, it it's important that it's true, else it's very difficult to be authentic. But that isn't to say that we can't imagine a story that that we want to be. In fact, that's what we do when we're trying to set strategy. You know, we we think, well, you know, the future needs to look like this. Well, that's not real. That's not true. That's what we want it to be. So, yes, it, it does have to be have key elements of, of it has to be true. It has to be true. But so long as you're open with your audience and say, I don't know if this is true or just imagine if then elements of fiction are, are, are fine. It, it, I, it, I, I guess the word should be honest, not, not particularly true, um, not as much. Uh, it, it has to be more about honesty than it is about um, it, it being a real story. So we, we need to be authentic. We need to recognise when we are, are being um, honest and that, that what we're saying is when it isn't true, we, we make it clear and we make it clear that it's aspirational. And then emotional, you know, the, 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 a good story has emotions. A good story connects the teller with the audience through um, uh, allowing the audience to put themselves in the teller's shoes and uh you know that makes a story really really powerful i mean that there's you know, there are other factors but i would say those two are um uh, crucial uh for, from my point of view and is there any element of uh kind of a repetitive structure to the story you talked before about kind of beginning middle end in the in the solution narrative is that the same for all of them? Is there a deeper level of structure than that? There are, again, if you um, look at uh, the various people who are, um, you know, have different views on what storytelling, how you should, you know, construct a story. The, Steve Denning, I think, present a pattern, um, as does David Boger. And, and a lot of gurus have the, their own idea of, you know, there's a, 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 an introduction, there's a, a climax, and there is a, a maybe a, you know, changes of direction along the way. But in essence, you know, my, my simplistic way of explaining this is, as you have said, really, it's that we have a beginning where we, we set, the situation up as quickly as we can, uh, the middle where the problem evolves and, and uh, becomes clear to the listener um, what the issues are and, and explains the dilemma of the participants. And then we have an end where there is a resolution and that, that resolution um, can be success, failure, tragedy, happiness, 
um, any any number of uh, uh, emotional uh, outcomes. But they, so I mean, to, I don't know whether I answered your question there, but the the key to the success of storytelling is in capturing that emotion and and allowing the audience to to share in in uh, that emotional trip because with that in that way they'll engage with you they'll engage with the your problem that and make it their own uh, and that's what you want if you want them to solve uh, help you to solve your problems and you've mentioned that there's three core stories within within an organization are they different based on their structure of the story or how they're told what 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 differentiates the three core well in fact what are the three right. core stories okay the, the three core stories is this is something that that um i, I obviously i published it in in my thesis but it, it it's under development shall we say and uh, my argument was that if you look at any organization, there are three levels, if you like, of storytelling always going on. Um, there's, a, there's a story, there's a, your organization, your, your um, senior management will tell you an organizational level story. They'll be, uh, that's their strategy. It's the the corporate story, whereby um, they're doing this, creating a a fixed narrative, a a solution narrative, if you like, where it's a monologue. It's only their voice. They are explaining um, how, what the world is like as they see it and what the organization needs to do in order to um, adapt and, and fit and and, uh, and succeed in in that um, that world you, you often hear organizations talking about you know we need to create the tell our story get, present our uh, our image our our um, impression to the world and you know that's that's really what traditional corporate level storytelling is about. That that's one level. You've then got what I call the group story. So within any organisation, you've got subgroups to work in teams, different levels within the organisation that um, discuss issues amongst themselves. Tell they they tell. Um, their experiences, share their experiences, and to some extent, they tell the type of story that helps them to fit in with that group. You know, for example, I'm part of a a more senior management group that that, at the university, but I'm also part of a subject group further down the organisation. And those two groups tell different stories about what's going on you know there's a there's a a theme within the subject group that says you know everything's terrible and and uh, anybody that says actually things aren't so bad is presented with examples of how how bad things are and and um 
uh, how we're going wrong and how it, it, it how, how much worse it is than 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 ten years ago. Whereas in the 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 more senior group, uh, the stories told are all about opportunities and um, uh, new initiatives and and um, how things are getting better. And those to, to be part of that group to be accepted and influential within either of those groups you have to tell the sort of stories that resonate with that group story if that 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 makes sense so you you are there's a that's not to say these these stances are fixed they are uh, to some extent negotiated the, uh, the, which will probably become clear when I explain the, the, the final uh, level of, of storytelling in organisations, final of the three core stories, which is the, the story of self. And this is the story that I suppose you're asking me for. Um, the, the story that describes a person as uh, who they are it, it, it's what essentially what individuals believe about themselves um to some extent it is what they would like others to believe about themselves um it, it, it's about presentation and again you know in, in coaching we talk about um you know presenting a positive image of of yourself and Individuals, obviously, are the components of groups. And we individuals edit the stories that they tell about themselves to fit in, in order that they will fit in with the particular group. I tell stories to the senior management group that I don't tell to the subject group and vice versa. And in... In that way, we have three sets of stories, which I think have a significant role to play in organizational success. If we can recognize that, that there are different stories that we tell ourselves, different ways that we talk to ourselves, uh, and present ourselves as a result of, of, of um, you know, what we believe about ourselves. If we can align that view, that that those stories with the stories that we tell in groups, and the story that the corporate or, uh, uh, body is is trying to um, get us to to align to then we're far more likely to, to move in the direction that um, takes the organisation forward. So, so as, as an organisation, if we pay attention to aligning our corporate story with group story, with uh, the stories of self, then we are far more likely to be able to implement the changes 
and, and take the organization in the direction that that we um, that we want to head in. But everything you've said is really fascinating, Nick. I could talk to you all day about this, but I am aware of time. So I wonder if I would be able to just ask you a few frequently asked questions that we ask all of our guests. Yes. Um, so the first one, you've mentioned a couple of people already, but who who do you think of when you hear the word story? Probably David Boje. I, I um, have had, is uh, a wild and wacky bloke, but incredibly uh, uh, intelligent and probably the most respected uh, storyteller. There's also... Yes, uh, Steve Denning and and Yanis Gabriel, all very influential influential in in this uh, field. Um, I, I I wrote a chapter in in David's book, and he was particularly was one of David Boger's books, I should say, is very prolific. And I I always be grateful to him for that because he he. He asked me to do that when I was at a very difficult point in my uh, uh, my PhD studies, um, and he, his interest and support just gave me the momentum to to carry on. Um, and uh, so, yeah, he he's um, I think top of my list. Brilliant. And um, so maybe you could recommend some good books podcast website so i imagine the one that you wrote with david is going to be one of them oh, it's got to be the best <laughs> <laughs> is is there is there anyone else or any other books or, or websites or anything that you can recommend yeah i mean steve denning um talks about the he had the springboard stories which you know it's, it, that's very much the sort of narrative end of the scale which uh, would be a, a use, you know, quite a, a, an, an easy read. So where can we find you online? If you go to Hull University, University of Hull, and again, search my name, that my profile is up on the, the website um, for Hull University. And um, the other online uh, site where you'll find me is um, Company DNA Limited. Uh, we were again some of our our consultancy work is up there, and uh, a little bit about what I do. Well, that's brilliant, Nick. I uh, really enjoyed talking to you today, and uh, I hope that we can spend some more time in the future talking. Maybe have you back on in a in a couple of episodes time. Yeah, that would be good. Thanks, brilliant. Paul. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for joining us for this episode of All the World. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit weareopusmedia.com for more resources based on today's topic, as well as access to more episodes that will help you develop your storytelling abilities. That's weareopusmedia.com. Thank you, and see you next time.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 